And I just love those songs that sing about the holiness of God. It just, it just amazes me. They put me in awe every time I sing them. And, and it's good to be here today. I'm uh, a little bit nervous, a little bit sweaty, a little bit excited at the same time. I, I was telling the guys that I prayed with this morning, uh, they prayed with me over in Pastor Mike's office. I told them uh, we could have one of two things this morning, either a really good sermon because I prepared all this last week or it could be really choppy. So it just kind of depends on how things go. But I've been praying about this message and, and praying for you guys for the last couple of weeks. Pastor Mike was sick last week and wasn't sure if he was going to be able to preach last Sunday. So I put this together last Saturday. But I'll tell you what, I have a lot of uh, really fond memories. I don't, I, oh, I have to let the kids go. I, I was sitting there reminding myself. If you're in the children's church, fifth grade on down, I apologize. Let's, we're we're going to go ahead and dismiss you guys to go over to the junior church where you guys can learn a little bit more on your level. Not that I'm way above it or anything. But <laughs> Why am I getting so many laughs out of that? <clears throat> I, I don't know how many of you guys have been to college or, or spent any kind of time in college, but I'll, I'll tell you this. I spent three years at Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, and I have to tell you, it was three of the best years of my life. I have a lot of fond memories uh, of Bible college and made a lot of good friends and just some of the things that I learned. And, and, and you know what? I encourage our teens all the time, be praying about going to a Bible college. I know a lot of you parents want your kids to go to, go to a secular school and get a, a really good education. And I know that's all important and everything, but I'll tell you this. Bible college is where it's at because it's, it's a place where you can grow and be true to yourself and be encouraged in your faith. And I've encouraged all these kids, you know what, consider Bible college, because when I went there, I made some of the best friends I've ever made, and uh, friends for life, friends that, all, that I still keep in contact with, and friends that pray for me, and friends that I pray for, and we had a common bond, we shared a faith together, and we used to, I remember we used to stay up at night, because in, in, in Baptist Bible College, where I went to school, there weren't very many different majors. So a lot of the guys that went there were going to be a, either a pastor or a youth pastor or a missionary. And uh, so we all took a lot of the same classes. And one of the best memories that I have are staying up on, on weeknights. We'd stay up until 3 or 4 or 5 in the morning cramming, all of us cramming for the same test. Sometimes there'd be 10 of us in the same room quizzing each other, just cramming for tests. And some of the best memories I've ever made, I, I met a lot, of, a lot of girls there and sifted through a lot of girls and, and finally came down to my one choice, and that was Becky. And, and you know, just met my, met my lifelong mate there and, and had a lot of really good memories of Bible college. And uh, I'll tell you this, I got there my freshman year, and it was better than I expected. It was it was so much fun and so encouraging and it taught me so much about life. And when I got there, I didn't think that I would like it as much as I did. And I liked it so much that I decided I would try to make Springfield, Missouri home. So what I did was I decided instead of what all the other freshmen did, they were ready to get out of college. They were ready to get out of town for the, for the summer. They all went home. And I decided I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to get me a job and I'm going to stay and I'm going to work because I got a job at Telequest, which was a company that worked for MCI. And I was basically a telemarketer and I was making $7.50 an hour and there was no way I was giving up that job <laughs> because I was banking. And uh, so I stayed the summer and I tried my best to make Springfield, Missouri home. And what I found that summer was that Springfield, Missouri, or what I now refer as misery, um, <clears throat> and some of you have lived there, you know what I'm talking about. Um, it wasn't home. 
And I found myself the whole summer, I was discontent. I was unsatisfied with life. I, I was miserable the whole time, um, mostly because I was away from my family, mostly because my friends had all left me. And as hard as I tried to make Missouri my home, it wasn't. And all I can remember was that yearning for more, that yearning for home, that yearning for fulfillment and satisfaction and gratification. And the whole summer, all I could think about was, when's the next time I'm going to get to go to Ohio? When's the next time I'm going to get to go home? And Ohio is home to me. And, and it's kind of the same way even here. You know, I love Idaho. I love living in Star. You know, all the teenagers, they make fun of me because I live in Star. But uh, I, we've made a home here. We, we've made a home with this church, with, with this church body. We love you guys. And we love living here. But I'll tell you this, and I think Becky would agree with me. Uh, Idaho will never be home to me. Um, Texas, or Texas is home to Becky. Idaho will never be home to, to Becky, and Ohio will always be home to me. As much as I want to make Idaho my home, Ohio is home. And that's where my family is, that's where I grew up, and that's where I always look forward to going to. You know, I'm, I'm getting ready to go to Ohio in April to see my dad. His 50th birthday is coming up in April, and I can't wait to go home and to see my dad. And so I find myself constantly when I was in Missouri longing to go home, and I think a lot of times our lives are like that. We long for more. We long for satisfaction in life. Whether it's in where you're living or where you're at in life, spiritually or financially, we long for more. We're created for that. And, um, you know, uh, just sitting back watching the news and, and looking where our society is going and where we've been, um, and, and Becky and I actually had some serious conversations with each other. We, as most of you know, Becky is pregnant. Um, we had some serious, honest discussions with each other because I honestly had to ask Pastor Mike and I asked Becky's father and my father, why should I bring a child into this world? And I've asked several people that question. Our world's going downhill fast. There's got to be more to what we see than today. There's got to be more than to the wars that are going on in the Middle East. You know, I, I look at that and I wonder, God, what is your plan for all of that? I look at the, the AIDS epidemic in Africa that's killing millions of people every year. And I wonder, God, where's the glory in that? Is there more to all of this life? I look at, um, you know, maybe the poverty in America. And, and we got a chance to see some of that yesterday. People that have to work and work and work to get a house and people that can't afford some of the things that we do. And I wonder, God, where's the security in our economy? And we struggle for security. Maybe you've been at that point in your life where you've wondered, what on earth am I here for? And I know we talked about this and during the 40 Days of Purpose and Pastor Mike hit on it quite a bit. But I mean, seriously, probably every one of us at some point in our life have asked that question, what on earth am I here for? What is the point? And I've struggled with that, and, and I haven't struggled with that personally, but what is the point of, and my big question was, what is the point of bringing a child into this world when it's just going downhill? And I, I finally came to terms, and I got the answer that I needed and the answer that I was looking for. But a lot of us, guys, we're, we're yearning for more. We find ourselves in life looking for that next step, looking for that next pleasure, looking for more to life, looking for that meaning, whether you're saved or unsaved in here today, whether you have a relationship with Christ or not. We've all dealt with that. We've all asked that question. Will there ever be satisfaction on this side of heaven? And I have to be honest and say, probably not. 
But you know what? The, the human heart longs for satisfaction. We're all built that way. We're created to seek for satisfaction. We're created in our human nature to look for it. And, and some of the different ways we look for it, maybe in relationships, we look for it in careers. Maybe we look for satisfaction through our children. We look for satisfaction through maybe some of you women soap operas. Maybe some of you men soap operas. <laughs> um, we look for satisfaction through security, through retirement, through finances. So many different things that we're looking to make ourselves happy. We're looking for fulfillment. And the Bible has quite a few things to say about satisfaction. We're going to look at four quick points um, about what the Bible has to say about satisfaction. The first one, if you guys want to turn to Psalm 145, verse 16. The human heart longs for satisfaction. I'm going to take a drink of water. Psalm 145, verse 16. The human heart longs for satisfaction. If you turn there with me, Psalm 145 says this, You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. And I'm, I'm going to read through these verses a little bit faster than you can probably turn. I'm going to look at Ephesians or Ecclesiastes 5.10. It says about satisfaction. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This also is vanity. And then in Isaiah 55.2, it says this, Why do you spend money for what... <clears throat> I'm sorry. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. You know, our hearts, our hearts long for satisfaction and you've probably all been there. And, and I mentioned some of the things a little bit earlier that we all look for for satisfaction. I, I've been talking to Becky every once in a while. I get sick of driving my, my little red Grand Am um, as good as it's been to me, I look at all these new cars that are out there and I think, man, I just want a new car. I'm tired of paying on this car. I'm tired of driving the same old thing every day. And I just want satisfaction of driving a brand new SUV. And maybe some of you guys have been there. You've, you've tried to get satisfaction in a new home. You know, I, I was just there. I, you know, I just bought a house and I thought that that was going to bring me all the satisfaction in the world. And, and then you have house problems and then you have house bills and then you have to get another job or whatever to come up with the money to pay for the house that you thought was going to satisfy you. Maybe some of you guys in here, man, I'm going to, I'm going to take a stretch and say, maybe some of you men out there have looked for satisfaction in an affair. Maybe some of you women. You know, we look, we look for satisfaction in so many different ways. And, and it's kind of funny because I see it now. I see it in Becky. <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're getting to that point now where Becky has to be satisfied in her pregnancy. Okay. And it's kind of, it, it, it's, and you men, you laugh because you've been there and you know what I'm going through right now. Becky, uh, Becky wants to be satisfied. I don't say this to pick on her because I think all pregnant women have probably been that way. This is obviously my first experience, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a lot of advice from a lot of different guys. Just say yes. Just give her whatever she wants. Um, but I got the perfect example. I was, um, I was with Becky Thursday night. We had just gone to Johnny Carino's, had a big dinner and stuffed ourselves and thought we were satisfied. And uh, satisfied our hunger and everything. And, and it wasn't a half an hour later. We go down. Um, we, we drive into Eagle. And Becky's like, you know, I'd really like some Doug's ice cream. <laughs> she has this thing for Doug's ice cream, okay? And chocolate milk, okay? I don't know what that's all about. But 
she just gives me this look and bats her eyes. Chris, I'd really like some Doug's ice cream. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And so I pull into Doug's and we're at the drive-thru and, and I look at Becky and I'm like, do you have any cash? She's like, uh, no. And I'm like, I don't have any cash because I never carry cash. And I said, I don't have any cash either. What are we going to do? We can use a debit card. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I say to her, Beck, I really don't want to use a debit card for $1.50. It's just like writing a check for 50 cents or something. You just, it's just kind of weird. And so I had to let her down and I said, Beck, let's just, you know, wait until maybe tomorrow or something else. And, and let's just hold off on the ice cream. And she's like, okay. And she goes, thanks for ruining my night. <laughs> That's what she told me. She told me that. Because it reminded me, every time I see the commercial, maybe some of you guys have seen it, you see the Dairy Queen commercial where the, the husband and wife are in the drive-thru and they're waiting on this pecan thing and the wife's pregnant and the husband's like, go to your happy place, go to your quiet place. And she's sitting there breathing, rubbing her stomach and all of a sudden she just yells out, move it! Because she has to have her ice cream and I think of Becky every time. And just yesterday, not even with pregnant people, we all want to be satisfied. And I told the kids that this was going to come up, and even Jim, because he started it. We come from Habitat for Humanity. And if any of you guys have spent any kind of time with teenagers or a group of 15 or more, we were going to go out to lunch. And I said, where do you want to go? And what always happens is you have 15 different opinions. So Sherry calls me on the phone, hey, where do you want to go? She gives me a couple options. I make the choice. Not because, well, because I wanted primos. I wanted primos. I'm the kind of the one in charge, so I make the final decision because I'm the boss, okay? And so, at least I like to think I am. And so I make the decision, and all of a sudden, I get all these teenagers in the back whining, oh, we don't want Primo's, we want to go to Wendy's, we want to go here. And I get Jim, who's right behind me, he's egging them all on, he's whining along with them, we don't want to go to Primo's, and all this, and I, it just makes me laugh because... Our human hearts long for satisfaction. We all want to satisfy ourselves. And um, maybe you're at this point in your life right now, and you're at the point where you're unsatisfied with the way things are going. You're unsatisfied with maybe the way your career is going or the direction that it's going. Maybe you're unsatisfied with the way your kids are turning out. Maybe you're unsatisfied with your marriage. Maybe it's you're unsatisfied with the relationship you have with God. Maybe it's not going the direction that you want it to go or you know it should be going. In our human hearts, we all long for satisfaction and it's easy today. Man, it's easy to get discouraged. I mean, all you got to do is turn on the TV and especially this last week, I'm to the point where I don't even want to turn it on anymore. It's the same thing and it's all negative. I mean, there's not very much positive on the news today. We look at all the different things that are going on in our lives and in the world, and, and you look at the war, you look at our economy, you look at, um, you look at murders and, and, and job layoffs, all these things that are going on, and it's easy to get discouraged. And we look for satisfaction in all this. But I have a question for you. Why is it that we get unsatisfied with the way society is going and the way our lives are? And this is my answer that I could come up with. Because many of us live for today. We live for here. We live for now. We live for pleasure on this earth. And I know that I've been there, and, and at times I'm sure I'll be there in the future. We've made a home here. We consider this our permanent dwelling place. 
And we're going to learn a little bit more about that. But man, it's easy to get caught up into, I got to make the best of my life because this is my life. And I've only got maybe 80 years to give and 80 years to live. And I'm going to do what makes me happy because this is what counts. And even as Christians, we know that this isn't the final place, but it's easy to get caught up in the mindset of, I've got to do the best for me today. And I've got to live it up because my heart longs for satisfaction. And it's, it's almost hard to understand how much, I mean, we hit on this an awful lot. We, we're such people pleasers. We like to please ourselves and satisfy ourselves. And it's almost like you have to go to a foreign country to really understand how much satisfaction we bring ourselves. I went to Mexico when I was in high school, went on a missions trip, and it broke my heart. Um, I went down into the middle of Mexico and into these large cities of literally cardboard boxes and cinder block homes that are no bigger than this platform. And it broke my heart. I, we went by a house that had, and, and you may laugh at this and think it's funny, but the shingles on the home were the album covers of a Michael, Michael Jackson record. And there were literally hundreds of them all over the home. And that was what they, they shingled their house with. And that's what they kept used to keep the rain out. And it made me appreciate so much everything that we have. And yesterday I... I I, I made an attempt to take our teenagers to Habitat for Humanity so that they could get an idea of what a lot of people in our country and a lot of people around the world live like. These people that don't have the money to buy their own home. These people that don't have all the nice things that we have. And they got to see a taste of that. And they got to go and minister to these people and help them out and help build a house. And man, these guys did awesome. They showed up and they were ready to work and they didn't complain and they sanded and they caulked and they painted a little bit, and they filled nail holes, and man, they were there to work. And they had an opportunity to see what some of the less fortunate people live like. And I step back from that and I say, man, I do an awful lot to satisfy myself, but sometimes all it takes is something little for, for other people. Our human hearts long for satisfaction. And it's easy to get caught up in the world and, and get caught up in life and forget that our heart really longs for eternity. The second point there is when our hearts are unhappy or when we're unhappy, it makes us look forward to heaven all the more. And I'm sure many of you, actually Pastor Mike stole my illustration last week. I was showing Becky during my message. I had the exact same illustration, but I'm going to use it anyways. As a kid, as a kid, I used to do some things that were stupid, okay? Um, my brother would dare me. I would light matches in my, in my sock drawer almost lit them on fire. Um, I used to light matches under my mom and dad's car, especially under the gas tank. Thought it was funny. Thought it was fun. Um, I used to lip off to my mom and give her a hard time. And uh, what used to frustrate her the most was I, I could make my mom laugh. I would lip off to her and say something sarcastic. I know it's hard to, to believe that I would do something like that. Um, but I would, I would say something sarcastic to my mom. She would just get on fire. And it was so funny because then after I would do that, I would make her laugh. And it would make her that much more mad. And she used to chase me around. And of course, the one thing I always feared was you wait until your father gets home. Boy, I, I don't know how you guys parent and I don't know how you guys discipline. But when I was growing up, it was still okay to, to paddle kids. And I used to think my dad actually enjoyed it. And well, he would come home. He would come home and I could just remember sitting in my room. My mom would be like, go to your room and you wait till your father gets home. And I knew it was on when he get home. So I would go to my bedroom and I'd pray, please, Jesus, come quickly. Take me, take me away. I don't want to have to deal with this. 
And even in high school and college, I'm sure, I'm sure some of you teenagers have done this, even some of you adults. In, in college, man, I would, I, I would take a test that I knew I wasn't ready for, and I would just pray the night before, God, please just take me. I'm ready to go now. I don't want to have to suffer another F or another D on another test. I can't handle this pressure. So God, please take me. And I just realized that, man, when I'm the most unhappy or when I'm in trouble, that makes me long for heaven all the more. And I, I went to Ohio about a year ago. I was in a wedding for my cousin. And uh, I don't know if I shared this illustration with you guys before. I know I've shared it with the teenagers. But while I was in Ohio, man, I got deathly ill. I mean, I was so unhappy. <laughs> Becky knows. I mean, she'd, she'd only seen me sick once or twice since we've been married. And I was, I thought I was dying. I'm not kidding. I was on my, uh, on my bed at night and it hit me just like that. And it just felt like somebody had two hands on my stomach and was twisting and squeezing. And I, I threw up a couple of times and I thought that would make it feel better. And I can remember Becky was sitting there rubbing my head and rubbing my back. And I'm like, don't touch me. Leave me alone. I just want to die. And I remember telling her, I wish I, wish I could die. I, I remember saying that because the, the pain was so bad. My point in saying that is, is when we're the most unhappy is when we look for God the most. And we long for God the most. I've got a couple of quotes here that I, that I read this past week that I thought was really deep. Uh, the great author Augustine once said this, The only ultimate disaster that can befall us I have come to realize is to find ourselves or to feel ourselves to be at home on earth. As long as we are aliens, we cannot forget our true homeland. And then Max Lucado, the great Christian author, um, many of you have probably read some of his books. He said this once, unhappiness on earth cultivates a hunger for heaven. By gracing us with a deep dissatisfaction, God holds our attention. The only tragedy then is to be satisfied prematurely, to settle for earth, to be content in a strange land. You know, that's us. We, come, we become content right here on earth. We get happy here. We settle for what we have here. And we miss out on all the blessings that God has for us. Um, so, if you want to read a couple of verses, don't, don't worry about turning there just because I want to read them real quick. Haggai 1.6 says, You have sown much and bring in little. You eat but do not have enough. You drink but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. And then Matthew six nineteen says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Man, earthly satisfaction, many of you have learned, earthly satisfaction leaves you empty. Earthly satisfaction leaves you longing for more. And I can remember as a kid, all I wanted was earthly satisfaction. And I, like I said, I still struggle with this as much as anybody. As a kid, all I can remember was thinking, oh, if I could just get my license, I'll be content. I'll be happy if I can just drive and go where I want to go, when I want to go. And then I used to think after I got my license, if I could just graduate and get away from my parents who torment me and torture me and give me all these rules, if I could just go to college, it would make me happy. And then I go to college and I think, man, if I could just get a wife... And I think about all those things that men think about when they're 20 and they're single. If I could just have a wife and get married, everything would be perfect. And then I think when we get married, if I could just get a career and have a good job, that would satisfy all my needs. Only to think that it brings more. And now I come to think if I could just have a child or have a grandchild. And now I find myself even at 25 
thinking about if I could just retire. <laughs> I, I, I think about those things. I call me crazy, but I think about retirement. Um, we find ourselves wanting more, more and more to satisfy us. We long for that fulfillment. And we find ourselves unhappy in this life. And why is it? Why is it that many of us find ourselves unfulfilled and happy here? Because we weren't created for here. We're unhappy on earth. And life lets us down. And we get dissatisfied and uncomfortable and miserable because we weren't created for this earth. We were created for something more. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, it says this, that we are sojourners and pilgrims on this earth. We're pilgrims. We're aliens in a foreign land looking for home. That's what we were created to do. Now, I, I had this example I got from a book somewhere. Um, the example of a fish. Now, you take a fish, take it out of the water, you put it on the beach. Is it going to be happy? Yes, no. Yes, no. The fish isn't going to be happy. You take the fish, you give it a pair of sunglasses and a beach chair. Is it going to be happy then? No, it's not going to be happy. And this is kind of a teenage illustration just to help you guys realize uh, this is how I work sometimes. Take the fish, give it a pile of money, thousands and thousands of dollars. Is it going to be happy? No. I'm going to stretch here. You take the fish, you give it a, a Play Fish magazine, and a martini. Is it going to be happy? No. Okay? It's not going to be happy. What's the one thing that's going to make that fish happy? Being back in the water. The only thing that's going to make that fish happy and content is being back in its own element. And a lot of times, guys, the reason that we're unhappy here on earth is because we're out of our element. It's because we weren't created for here. And we try to fill our satisfaction with everything in the world. And it never comes through. Why? Because we weren't created for here. Uh, an author once wrote, I can't remember his name, but he once wrote, Thou hast made us for thyself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Maybe you're here today and you're restless in life. You're looking for more. You're yearning for more. You're longing for something better. And the only thing that satisfies that yearning, you can try to find it and fill it with everything you want, but the only thing that's ever going to satisfy that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. The only thing that's going to fulfill that is an eternity in heaven with God. My third point comes to this. We'll only be satisfied when we reach heaven. We'll only be satisfied when we, when we reach heaven. If you look at the life of Moses, if you, if you ever study the life of Moses, you know that Moses knew God probably as well as anybody ever did. He had a great relationship with God at points in his life. If you think about it, Mo, Moses had such a great relationship that God actually came to him and spoke to him in a bush. God used him to deliver the Ten Commandments. God used him to part the Red Sea. God performed all those plagues in front of Moses. And the amazing thing is, is when the children of Israel pulled away from God, God stayed close to Moses. And that's pretty cool. If you look at, uh, if you look at Exodus 33, 11, it says that God spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Moses was a friend of God. Think about that. How many of you would like that on your tombstone? I was a friend of God. And have that said by God. And that's amazing. Moses had a great relationship with God. And Moses was his friend. Now, the other thing that kind of surprised me about, about Moses was that was never enough. It wasn't enough just to be the friend of God for him. 
Moses wanted more. He longed for more. The only thing that satisfied Moses was seeing God face to face. That was the only thing that would make Moses happy. In Exodus 33, 18, Moses said this, Please, God, show me your glory. Moses didn't want to just have a relationship with him. Moses didn't just want to be on God's side. He wanted to touch God, to see God face to face, to be in God's glory, to be in his presence. Moses wasn't going to be happy until he reached heaven. And that's why we long for heaven. That's why we long for so much more. Not just because it's a place of no more death and no more tears and no more heartache and no, no more pain. We long for heaven because it's eternal glory and eternal presence of God. And that's what I long for. I don't know about you, but man, I can't wait until I get to spend an eternity worshiping Jesus Christ, worshiping God the Father for all of eternity. And lastly, nothing on earth can satisfy our deepest longings, and that's to see God. I'm turn to Psalm 17.5 real quick. Psalm 17.5. Nothing on earth can satisfy our deepest longing, and that's to see God. Psalm 17.5 says this, As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. The only thing that was going to satisfy this writer of this psalms was seeing God face to face, to wake in his righteousness. You know, I, I got another example with Becky. Um, when we were dating in college, uh, I went. We we both went our freshman year. We started dating at the end of our freshman year. Dated for a couple months. Becky moved home to Texas, and I stayed. At, I stayed at BBC, and I worked. And Becky didn't come back to school the next year. So we essentially dated for almost a year and a half, long distance. I saw Becky maybe once every three months. We had a telephone relationship where I would call her every night, like clockwork, at about 10:30 after work because I got free long distance phone calls, and we would talk every night. And I found myself that that wasn't enough. More and more, it became, oh, i got to call Becky tonight. I just want to go see her. I just want to hang out with her. I just want to talk to her face-to-face. And then I, I don't even remember when it was, but it was sometime during my sophomore year. I came down, and we had made a plan to hook up in, in Texas, and, and I was going to be there for the weekend. And I remember so much just longing to see Becky's face because I just missed her so much. And I got down to Texas. I drove for eight hours, got down there. And it was so funny because Becky had been sending me pictures and stuff. She had her hair all cut short for the first time. And she showed me how pretty she was and, and all this. And I just, I was so excited to see her because I wanted to see her new look, see her new do, and just to, just to hang out with her, just to be with her. And I got to Texas and I opened up the door and uh, the front door and Becky comes out of her, her bedroom. And uh, I just remember standing there. I mean, I, literally, I, my jaw probably dropped. I was like, I stood there. I had nothing to say. I had no words for her. I stood there and thought, 